Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations with yours truly, Templeton Sawyer. It's an amazing um, day here in beautiful Halifax. And we're here having another conversation here at the Neighborhood Conversations, talking today about education and inclusion with the amazing Augie Jones, who is the principal of the Nova Scotia um, Community College Berkeley campus. And so we're, we're here, excited to have Augie today. But before we start, I would like to welcome the amazing Keisha Bowden, who is one of the case managers here at Teamwork Cooperative, and also today's co-host. Welcome, Keisha. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Keisha, you know, today we're talking about inclusion. We're talking about education. You know, it's important that we try to connect this because this is one of the core um, values of not only us at Teamwork, but every organization's principle um, as we go and try to be inclusive. And so... It's so awesome to have the amazing Augie Jones. I know Augie from from long time. Augie's just an amazing leader. Um, someone who is inclusive himself um, with his podcast and something that brings valuable information. Augie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm great. And good afternoon, Keisha. And good afternoon, Templeton. I really appreciate, always appreciate the the invite. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about. You know, I mean, the root word of inclusion is to include. Mm-hmm. So I always love those type of conversations. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and see, now you're starting into the conversation, Augie. So, like, <laughs> the first, the first question I, I'm, I'm going to go to you is, what does inclusion mean to you? Yeah, and, and before I, I answer, I just would kind of switch my hats here. So, whenever you deal with education, I think inclusion is is important beyond education, but definitely within education, because we know education is the key to a prosperous adulthood and being a good citizen. And a lot of the positive aspects of living with other people comes through being educated. So, but I will say that this really falls into my former role as the executive lead inclusive education for the province of Nova Scotia uh, at the Department of Ed. And so I've recently taken the job as principal of Nova Scotia Community College Acreley Campus at Templeton, as you alluded to, but my um, definite touch points with the fullness of inclusion happened when I was working uh, at the Department of Ed. Mm-hmm. So for me, inclusion uh, is kind of a, a word that has, you know, we know, you know, you have connotation and denotation. And so you know, denotation would be the dictionary definition and connotation is what people think right. about a word. And so inclusion has, has been connected with um, students with special needs, uh, disabilities, that, that has been somewhat of the, of the scope for many years, and rightfully so, because when we look at the school system as we go back to the um, 2000s and 90s and 80s and 70s, the more we rewind it back, the more we see how much we were not accommodating the disabilities community in, in public education. It was, it actually is actually scary and archaic the way that we used to um, to um, deal with education when it came to uh, students who were not neurotypical, students who did not were not able-bodied. We almost ignored them, you know, for, as far as the, coming into a school building. Right. But I, I would say now there's a there's a um, uh, I think a beautiful intersectionality of, and this gets to me finally answering answering the question, 
is inclusion, as I said earlier, is to include. And so that may seem very simple, but it's actually quite complex and something that human beings don't do well. So we have a history of excluding black people from restaurants and excluding indigenous people from places, excluding women from voting, excluding same-sex couples from being married. And, And definitely that exclusion of things was a part of the disabilities community as well. And we think about um, before we put in ramps and we put in um, ways that we can, and not only just ramps, but ways that we can take away the barriers for people that are not able-bodied. That is a thought that has been at the forefront maybe over the last 20, 30 years. But previous to that, those barriers existed. If you couldn't get up steps, if you couldn't get on the elevator, if you couldn't get on the escalator, it's just too bad. So so to get back to it, I think to include means to make spaces mm, right. as accessible to everybody, right. everybody. Right. So in a space that's not comfortable for women, how do we make it accessible and remove those barriers? And in a space that's not comfortable for someone who has physical disabilities, um, how do we make that comfortable? For uh, someone who has autism, how do we give them access to all the same spaces, all the same sports, all the same educational classrooms, right. all the same workshops that everyone else is. So again, I would say it's it's in a wide sense to include. Wow, I I love that 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 definition and explanation to include. Um, I'm making sure that you are not excluding people out of the conversation and all and other diverse um cultures and all other um areas of um. I would say other areas of of the LGBTQ community and other communities. I'm not excluding communities um, from the and and actually this episode is played in Pride Month and we're celebrating Pride Pride Month. We actually highlighted in our um, episodes how to um, advocate and be allies. And so inclusion requires us to be allies for our communities as well and making sure that we're including them in that way. Um, and so, yeah, um, Keisha, I'll, I'll turn it over to you um, to ask the next question. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do appreciate um, speaking with you today, Augie. Um, and you make a very valid point in regards to the exclusion. Um, so I was wondering if you can speak on why the importance is of why we should include people in this conversation. Um, what is it that... I don't know. I don't want to say that they need to hear, but why is it so important that people have to and should be included in this type of conversation? Yeah, Keisha, to, to me, there's two um, aspects of, of that that answer. First is the most beautiful part of being a human is diversity. Absolutely. So, you know, imagine if all of our spouses and, and, and intimate partners look the same. Imagine if we only could watch one movie. Imagine if we only had one song to listen to. Imagine if we can only eat potatoes. You know, imagine if, you know, like, and I know that I'm exaggerating, but the other end of the spectrum is this boring homogeneity of all the same things. And what's interesting is human beings, we love different colors. We love to look at wildlife. We have pictures in our homes that that really... um, uh, highlight diversity. Mm-hmm. The only diversity human beings don't like is humans. They like diverse food. <laughs> they like to car- Like we all like to see difference. But as soon as a different human being comes around, 
oh, you know. Just up. And so, yeah, man, like we get all a kind of way. And, and that is, you know, we know that's through socialization and hierarchies and stereotypes and upbringing where we, our mind goes, do, 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 and we hide. So we see someone in a wheelchair, do, 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 oh, I feel sorry for them. We see someone in a suit, do, 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 oh, we trust them. We see someone with darker skin, do, 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 beware. Mm-hmm. Like we, 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 we've just come to make these quick stereotypical judgments of people. And so, so we, we exclude them from the conversation. Even if they're sitting at the table, we will exclude them by just not listening. I've sat at many tables where people are shaking their head going, they weren't listening to anything I was saying because they didn't value. And what's interesting is people welcome conversation with things they value. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's interesting. Right. Like, right. And, and so it's not, so it's not, it's what, when you value something, no matter who you are, you will pay your utmost attention to that. And we have very powerful people that will pay attention to certain stuff and they will ignore I like that. certain stuff. I like that. Right. So, so, so by, by what does it mean? So the second part of the question is when we include people in the conversation, we have a better conversation. So if we are going to talk about what's going on with Roe versus Wade, no matter how much males think they need, what they know what's going on, be quiet and listen. <laughs> You're not a woman. Yes. Like, so if you don't have women in that conversation, right. it's a very narrow conversation. So now let's go deeper. Then you need diverse women in that conversation Absolutely. that adds to the conversation. Hold on deeper still. Then you need women with disabilities in that conversation or we're getting deeper still, but then the conversation is getting more rich and rich. Let's go deeper. Let's go women who are trans. Let's go to women who uh, would consider themselves to be queer. Mm-hmm right? Or newcomer women or Muslim women. The more we add that diversity to the conversation around Roe versus Wade, the more the conversation becomes rich. What about Indigenous women, right? Because we know about missing and murdered Indigenous women. And we know that when an Indigenous woman goes missing from British Columbia to Newfoundland, that the police don't put a whole lot of effort into figuring that out. So if an indigenous woman is speaking, she's speaking from a different perspective. So the second part of that question, Keisha, would be that not only um, is there um, value in listening to diverse voices and being open to that and actually paying attention, but the second part is they enhance the conversation. The conversation becomes deeper, becomes better, it becomes more complex, uh, and we learn from the conversation when there's many voices. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that that that's that's so amazing. And I I'm gonna ask a follow up question before I before this is, so this is me coming off script. I I always like to come off script when it comes to <laughs> asking follow up questions. So I'm thinking, what are some values we have to have in order to include people? I I know some values are listening, listening that the value of listening, the value of communicating. What are some values to you? That, that you would say to include people into a space or into your conversation or into conversations in general? Humility. Humility. Empty your cup. You don't know everything. So if you empty your cup from a Buddhist perspective, someone can fill that cup with something. When people's cups are full, which means you your ego thinks that you know everything, life is too wide and diverse and amazing for any one person to know everything. 
So it means that when a five-year-old is talking to me, I pay attention to that five-year-old because I don't know what they're going to say. So my cup's empty. When someone who is from Syria is talking to me, whether it's in English, whether it's in an in-between between their native tongue, whatever it is, I'm listening. But someone with a disability is talking to me. I'm listening. So, you know, I would say that, Templeton, is that we often are not emptying our cup. We don't value what people say. and We're not listening to learn. And I have a thing on my podcast that I talk about learn listening, right? When people talk to me, <laughs> I feel like I'm stealing from them, to be honest, because I'm listening to learn. So, so if I'm a, a lifelong learner, then my cup is always empty. I always are listening from a humble perspective that this person's first voice is a reality, is a valuable reality. And if I listen to that person's reality, it means that I don't need to have autism to learn. I don't need to be from Senegal to learn. I don't need to be a woman to learn. All I have to do is empty my cup. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of, even though it's voyeuristic and even though it's secondary, by me emptying my cup with humility, I'm better able to hear the, the full voice of the of the person that's talking to me. And I do want to add that people often say, and please don't say this, folks, I don't see color. Oh. Don't say that. Like, you know, or like, it's like, it's like a woman come to me and go, I didn't notice you were a woman. Like, we want you to notice color. We want you to notice difference. But guess what? We just want you to embrace it and love it. We don't want you to, we're not, so women are not men. People who are African, um, of African ancestry are not European. Like, we're not the same. But why can't you embrace and hug up my difference Mm -hmm. and honor my difference? So I want you to see my difference. But then when you see it, I don't want you to lower me on the hierarchy. That's the difference. I want you to see the difference and then keep me here with you. That's it. That's 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 totally true. You just hit it on the nail. People categorize or 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 describe people or put people in a, a specific scoring sheet based on their um their the 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 color of their skin, um the culture aspect, and sometimes the way how they act. And I I don't know why. Anyway. I go to my next question. I, I think that leads me. I think that leads me to my next question on how can we educate people to include others. What are some resources out there? What do do you feel that we should they should be attending more training, more conferences, more conversations, or life ex- go through the experience or, or learn from the experience? What 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 are some ways to educate people? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Templeton, because I think in the work that I've done around change management, um, equity, diversity, inclusion, uh, around um, social justice, I think the first thing for most human beings, especially adults, is you have to start with what's the value. What are you going to get out of whatever I'm going to tell you, whatever point A is? You have to tell them why point A is valuable because adults don't like to change their mind. They don't like to change where they get their Tim Hortons every day. They don't like to change where they sit in their cubicle. They don't like to change. They're like human beings can get very much into seeing change as negative or as scary. But I often say is that when you're in marginalized communities, <laughs> we hope for change. Like it, there's, there's, it's a really a privileged position for you to be in the now and go, hmm, I'm comfortable, man. I don't need no change. Life's working for me. I'm good. 
Yeah, there are some people that don't want change because the status quo is working for them. So if you're going to make those people change, you need to let them know the value of it. And when we talk about embracing diversity and inclusion, we're not asking people to drink cyanide. We're not asking people to shoot themselves in the foot. We're not asking people to give away $1,000. We're not asking that. It's free of charge to listen to people, as I said previously, but also the value, and this is how I think you get people to start to swing their thinking and empty their cup, is that they gain something as a human being when you listen authentically to other human beings. You gain something, you get smarter. There's a thing that we have to really start to um, value as far as what we may call social literacy. So we know literacy is the ability to be fluid. If I have computer literacy, I'm I'm fluid on the computer. If I have language literacy, I speak French, I speak German, I speak, you know, um, there's reading literacy. I I can read essays, I can read poems, I can read blogs. That's literacy. What we don't talk about is social literacy. So right now in 2022, your ability to move in and out of different sets of people that don't look like you, think like you, or talk like you, gives you social capital, Uh right? Whether you are a business person, whether you are a doctor, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a firefighter, whether you are just a good neighbor, your ability to have social literacy, which means to be fluid. So the more we've, we've seen homogeneous homogeneous um, populations get upset and say, oh my God, we're losing white power. No, you're not. You're just giving up the overload of power that you had for decades, maybe centuries, and it's evening out. So you're not losing anything. You're actually giving up the excess that you've had unchallenged for a long time. So what we know is since you know, the two early 2000s from the Me Too movement. And as you say, the pride, the, the celebrating of, of pride in the lives of queer and trans people, um, indigenous lives, um, Black Lives Matter, um, newcomers are a positive thing to people's countries. These are all ideas that, that, that are spreading us out. And so that homogeneous type thinker who only wants to be around people that look like them and only wants to be around people that that sound like them and, and eat the same food, that person is becoming more and more of a dinosaur in 2022. Right now, because of the way the internet works and the global nature of it, you have to be able to be fluid and literate on a social level to be able to talk to and listen and move amongst many different people. Now, that means that you're gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah. But again, who cares if you're uncomfortable? When did it get to the point that we, you got to be pretty privileged to say, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Okay, welcome to the club. <laughs> you mean, I've, I've, been, I've been uncomfortable for a long time in many spaces. So being an African Nova Scotian and being 2%, my primary picture up to my university grad, I'm one of two black faces in a sea of white faces. Does that seem comfortable? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a, you have a privilege, even as an able-bodied person, you know, I've been to meetings where people go, you're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So that doesn't, that does. So, so being uncomfortable is, is the road to growing. So when we go to the weight room or we get on a bike and we, 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 we test our physical selves, don't we put ourselves in the zone of being uncomfortable to make our muscles grow? Wow. 
You know what I mean? Don't we do things and get out and move our bodies and we're a little bit achy, right? But as we're a little bit achy, we're growing, we're getting stronger, right? And so that thing around uncomfortability means for you to have social literacy and move in and out of spaces, you may go into a trans queer space and use the wrong pronoun, or you may upset someone. And even if they're upset, just apologize authentically. No, no one said it's not going to be uncomfortable. You may go into a black space as a white person and say something that pisses someone off. That's okay. Because if you apologize genuinely and say, okay, I see your viewpoint, which is that learn listening piece again, then most people will accept that. So we have to be open to being uncomfortable and moving in spaces that are different than what we're used to. We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories. I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people like I was hired. I want to give guys that chance. Il me fait un plaisir de continuer à travailler avec les immigrants francophones à Nouvelle-Écosse. I am looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before. And now back to the podcast. Wow. Wow. Being yeah. uncomfortable. Ooh, that That's just, you just preached a, preach a whole sermon there. <laughs> I think we can say, <laughs> praise the Lord. I think, we, I think that, that that's that, but that is so true um, to what you're saying is you have to be uncomfortable in order to get, learn and to get into spaces in order to be um, comfortable with the re- resources and everything that people serve. But you have to be be willing um, to to hear to um, the words of people and also hear to the resources that is given to you. Um, Keisha, I'm going to let you go on to the next question. Um, this is this is getting this is getting hot up in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I and you know, um, I'll, you spoke very well about the the importance of um, the values. Um, and I know sometimes it may look like you know sometimes people's values are only theirs, so it's harder to maybe address others or even understand another person's viewpoint um, because, you know, one can only really see themselves as far as they've met themselves. So when it comes to the importance of inclusion or, yeah, I would say inclusive, I can't say the word, I'm sorry. I can't say that word. Inclusivity. Oh yeah, the word, the word, the word. Sometimes that I, 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 that's why I gave you that question anyway. No, no, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So mean. That's so mean. But my my tongue wouldn't even say it. But um, with that, like, what would you? How would you say like one of the most important, maybe core values that would be needed to even identify and embrace maybe um inclusive inclusive. Yeah, I I think, Keisha, when I think about it, it comes to, I'm going to, as a former English teacher and someone who's a wordsmith and loves words so much, I'm going to stick on the word values Mm -hmm. and take off the S and just say value. But like, so think about it, if we just value people. So when I see someone who is nonverbal autistic, right? Do I value them straight off the bat, like right from the very beginning? Do I value them, right? And so if I do value them, then that thought process will lead to actions that are respectful, that are inclusive, that are um, 
loving and caring and compassionate, and I still may be uncomfortable, right? That, that, that goes with the package. But by valuing things, and so that's what I mean with the hierarchies, we will do that. Doot, 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 and certain people that we're talking, we devalue them. So we only hear like 10% of what they're saying. And we nod and we smile and we pretend. Eh, eh. Meanwhile, we're not, we don't value what they're saying. You know, and then there's people, this is why con men get over. Because then there's people that don't even, they, they just have the right suit on. They have the right cologne. They got the right outward look. And we go, oh, they're worth listening to. Oh God, they're really worth listening to. And we listen to their BS. Yeah. And we take it in like it's the most wonderful thing. And so I would just even it out and get to the point of every single person is going to say something to you. Now, I remember I was in Jamaica and a Rasta man said to me once, and I love parables and analogies. He said, when you're in a conversation or reading a book, it's like eating fruit. There's a part that you digest and there's a part you throw away. Absolutely. The apple core, the banana peel, you know, the orange seeds, the orange peel, like you don't. So when you go in a conversation, no one said that you have to swallow everything that the person's saying. Matter of fact, the critical thinking lens would say there's nobody, there's no human being that you should, you know, praise everything they say. That's a dangerous way to think. But that that also means that there's no one that talks that you should totally ignore. I mean, I there are people who are racist that hate black people that I will listen to them. Because at the end of it, I'm going, so what do black people do to you? Like, and I just want you know, explain that. Like, you're really right. angry. And I just want to know, like, I would be angry like that if someone hurt my son, right? There'd be a reason. So I want to know what is the reason why you were so dead set against black people and you want to hurt black people and da-da-da. Like, what's your experience with us? And, and what happened to make you so angry? Right? And so that's why... I would digest what they were saying. I throw away some of it, but I would digest it and even value what they're saying because then even in that case, I'm able to um, fill my cup with what they're saying, digest it, and then come back with a critical response rather than censorship where I don't want to hear what you have to say. Oh no, I listen to everyone. I don't care what, I don't care what perspective it is. I value what you are saying. So Keisha, that would be my answer is that, you know, the values that we should have, one of the number one values, life values that we should have is that we're willing to value what people say. Absolutely. No, I agree with, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree as well. Valuing what people say is so important and that's, and we have to learn how to do that. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard to just listen. Um, and I, I'm going to switch on to the, to the scale question now focusing, we, we spoke earlier about persons with disability and supporting people with disability. So Augie, on a scale to one to 10, how would you, how, how committed is top management to supporting the needs of colleagues with disability? Have you seen um, the level of interest when management and, or people in leadership supporting people with disability? How do you feel um, that is right now in Nova Scotia? Two out of 10. And I'll tell you why. And it goes along with what I've said. When you've benefited from the present situation, mm -hmm. so most people who are in leadership making the more, most money, who are running companies, who are in leadership positions, have benefited from the status quo. Mm -hmm. So so follow my reasoning here. So because we are just starting to designate positions and we're starting, especially in Nova Scotia, to see diversity at boardrooms at the highest level, not sweeping the floors, 
not driving garbage trucks, not, um, you know, not that I'm saying, because this question is ranking people in top management, yep. right? Yep. We're just starting to get into top management. So top management at this point is still populated by people who are benefiting from the present situation. That's a fact. Those people are hard to change. As I said before, if you're benefiting from a present situation, why would you change it? So you have to have a benevolence in order to change it, right? There's got to be something inside of you that says, I'm going to, I know I have excess. I know I have privilege. I know I have power. I know I have biases. And, and it really takes a reflective, introspective person to do that. And when I have power, I'm not forced to do that. If I wake up every day, I can ignore Mi'kmaq voices, black voices, trans voices, disabilities voices. I don't need to listen to them for me to still get my paycheck. Right? So so there's a so I, I rank it that there's still gotta be more awareness and there's gotta be more of this um, articulating to the most powerful people in companies the benefits of inclusive thinking. Right? Because really, it doesn't matter who's spending the money, money spends. Yeah. So unlike most people say, black people have money. Let me just say to people on the podcast, <laughs> black people have money. Yeah, we do. Make people have money. So if you want more money, include us. If the, I mean, if that is what is your motivator, you excluding us is not getting you more money. Right. You know, so there's a thing around being inclusive. And then I'm only, that's a very narrow, and I'm obviously, you know, being facetious, but there, there's a sense of, of the top leaders have not, really bought in. And I can give you a reason why I know that. Most of the EDI sessions I've done over the last two or three years, top management doesn't even show up. Wow. Mm -hmm. Think about mm -hmm. that. You get hired to work with a company and they'll give you middle managers and down. But the most powerful people in the company very seldom show up to an EDI session because they don't think it's for them. Now they want to check the box but they don't think it's for them. And so until they figure out that it is for them, they get a two out of 10. Wow. Wow. Attend those EDI sessions. I think that's one of the things that, that, that will get started. And um, I, I, I go now as we continue, as we wrap it up, uh, because I know that we're, 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 we're wrapping to the, the, to the time here. It, um, <laughs> But the last question, I'm gonna let Keisha go because I don't wanna, I don't wanna take take over that last question. But Keisha, go ahead, um, go. You can ask the next question. Well, I think it kind of the last question is just where do you think organizations can improve to become more uh, diverse going forward? But I yeah. think you really just touched on a very yeah. good point that if you're doing DNI sessions, yeah, and top management is not there, it's not gonna trickle down like you said. It's checking a box, right, right. to say yes, we're in were included. Um, but is there anything else that you can speak to where you think organizations can do better to diverse? Yeah, I, there's one other thing, Keisha, that I would add. And, and this is, I remember my mom and, you know, my, my parents are Joan and Rocky Joan, civil rights mm -hmm. activists. And, and, and I grew up in that setting. But I know my mom once said to me that if you want to break down systemic barriers, you need to systemize things. And so when things are emotional or one-off, like I found the further we got away from George Floyd, the less EDI work I was okay. getting. Mm -hmm. 
Figueredo, yeah. right? So it means it was a trend. It was a one-off. People felt guilty, so they were doing it. That's not systemized. Yeah. So what I would say as we wrap up is that organizations, if you truly care, put money behind your EDI and inclusion-based protocols. Um, and one of the main invisible places where um, exclusion still happens is your HR departments. So the way that you advertise positions, the way that you do interviews, the way that you onboard, the way that you promote, the way that you pay, these are all systemic ways that you can um, do a much better job when it comes to inclusivity. And these companies that do that will benefit because as you rise diversity, it's like a biosystem. All of the science people out there, the bog that is more diverse with all different types of organisms lasts longer. So when you're a business that's homogeneous and you have the same guys and gals saying the same thing at the same time, all the time, you eventually die off. But if you get diverse people and, and, and populating and, and bursting with energy with different thoughts and challenging each other and bringing an indigenous perspective, bringing a queer perspective, bringing a disability perspective, bringing an African, all those things will make your company stronger. And so to me, the last thing I'd say is you should systemize these things. It's not just one diversity session with Augie Jones. That's not going to work. It, it's not just saying, you know, happy Black History Month, like, or Black Lives Matter, or all that, or, or put a Ukrainian flag on your profile. No. no, that's not it. We need you to systemize things because I would say to people in power, one of the ways you got your power was systemically. Yeah. You got your power and position through a system. So if you want to change that system, know that you won't lose power. You're actually making your company and organization stronger by diversifying it and building that diversity into your protocols and procedures and frameworks and wording and documents and web page. Build that all in and talk to me in five years and you will thank me for how diverse and strong and versatile your organization or company has become. Wow, that, that change, change the systems. That, that, that's all I'm gonna say, change the system. If your actions inspires other to dream more, to do more, to become more, then you are doing leadership. And that's that's, that's how I'm gonna wrap up this episode. Are Jones? Thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the Neighborhood Conversations today. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing having conversations with you. Keisha, it's been amazing having you as the amazing co-host for this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to make change, if you want to make um, purposeful change in your organizations and where you want to be in society, make sure that you include everyone. Have a great day. We'll see you at the next episode. This podcast is funded by the government of Nova Scotia.